0: Amen. Amen. One day at a time. Yes. One day at a time. Jesus said each day would have its own evil that you'll have to deal with. So not try not to get ahead of yourself on that, all right? We're at about three or four or five days, ten days away. One day at a time. Turn in your Bibles tonight with me to Psalm 15. We have a good Bible study tonight. I've enjoyed meditating upon this Psalm again. Psalm 15, please turn there if you would. Let me exhort you tonight with this psalm. This psalm is really about the very nature of God and about His desire and willingness to fellowship with man. God does want to fellowship with you. That's hard to believe that He even desires that. Why would He even? He doesn't need it, but He does desire it. And you know, you think about all the way back to Adam. I mean, the Bible says that when Adam was in a beautiful garden and he had and he lived in paradise, the Bible says that really what made it paradise was the fact that God would come see him in the afternoons and would visit him, come fellowship with him. And you know God's got a lot going on. And he's got a lot of things in heaven to deal with, but he created man on the earth in this garden, said I'm going to go see him. And I'm going to go see him in the cool of the evening. And so he went and he fellowshiped with Adam. That's why he created him. Was to fellowship with him. And then you think about Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch was said to have walked with God. Now that's fellowship. When you're walking with someone, you're fellowshipping with them. How can two walk together? Except they be in agreement. And God enjoyed Enoch's fellowship so much. The Bible says that, it pleased him. His walk pleased the Lord. And one day God said, uh, I'm just going to bring you home. Right. And he did. The Bible says he was not. The Lord took him. He was translated. First Corinthians chapter number 1 teaches us that you and I have been, that it's possible for sinners like me and you to be able to fellowship with the Holy God because of the fact that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been washed from our sins by the blood of Christ. We have been reconciled to God through the death of His Son, justified by His resurrection. This is not based upon your emotions or your feelings from day to day. Some days you're going to feel close to God. Some days you're going to feel like God's a long way off. That does not determine whether He's a long way off or not. Your feelings, your emotions, some days you may be what? Some people call it melancholy. It doesn't change God's mind. It doesn't right. change God's disposition. Right. Some days you'll be depressed or dark dark in mood. It doesn't change God at all. Right. He right. is faithful. Amen. So you gotta keep this in mind that God saved you to fellowship with you. Okay? And first Corinthians chapter number one says, You have been called unto this fellowship. So the Lord is saying. Come on, I want to see you today. I want to talk to you today. Yes, yes. Okay? So you've got to keep that in mind. If you don't have fellowship with God, it's not because God doesn't want to have fellowship with you. Right. Amen. You understand that? Right. You believe that? Right. God wants to have fellowship with you. So, Psalm 15 teaches us some things. When we talk about fellowshipping with the Lord, there's some benefits that come with that. The peace of God, many of your prayers... Are more effective. God providentially guides your footsteps and gives you purpose. But I will say this about the Lord: fellowship is conditional with Him. Yes, you can't just run around and do what you want to do, and fellowship with God. Right. But He doesn't make it impossible for you to a fellowship with Him, and He's not interested in. It's not your perfection, but it is your direction and your attitude that He's looking for. Amen. Okay, so let's look in Psalm fifteen. The Bible says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? So he starts off the psalm by saying, it's not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of someone abiding and somebody dwelling with the Lord and fellowshipping with him. Who are these people? Okay, so he gives us some principles here. Do you think your behavior matters when it comes to fellowship with God? You think your choices matter? Now, you may have a bad day, but you're not going to lose your salvation. But you might lose fellowship. Okay, you might. It's like a husband and wife sometimes. They, they're still married, but they may not be in close fellowship. But they're still married, yeah. And so they have to, they do have to have certain rules or, or I'll say, behavior that enhances good fellowship. All right, and and if somebody's doing something that's not right, usually it creates very intense moments of fellowship. Right. Okay. So the Lord wants you to have fellowship with Him. So let's look at this passage here, and I mean it's really good here. First of all, we have to understand that conduct matters to god and it's a big thing with god our outward conduct and our inward conduct the lord wants us to watch our our hearts our choices our attitudes our spirits he said i need you to watch this cuz i want i want you to i want you to want to abide with me that's what he wants. I want you to want to be with me. I want you to want to dwell with me. He said, I want you to want that. And if you want something bad enough, you'll change yeah. some of your behaviors. Yes, You will. If you want it bad enough, and it depends sometimes upon some of your choices and behavior, you will change some things. If you want it bad enough. Yeah. Okay. So notice what he says here how that your conduct matters. Look in verse number 2. It says, He that walketh uprightly. not talking about not dragging your knuckles here. Okay? He's talking about you doing what's right. He says, And worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Okay, so verse number 2 says, You're doing some things that pleases the Lord... You're doing some outward things that please God, and you're doing some inward things that please God. He's talking in verse number 2 about you walking uprightly and worketh righteousness. That just means you you have some integrity, you have some honesty, you have some uprightness about you, you're handling yourself in a godly manner. And then he says your heart. That's not only outward, but inward. He says, hey... He says in verse number 2, He speaketh the truth in his heart. God wants you and I to be sincere in our hearts and to speak the truth. And that's why it goes on to verse number 3. Your conduct matters. That's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1 says that we exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ how that you ought to walk in a manner that pleases the Lord. Okay? Whatever anybody else is doing, you're not going to please anybody and or you're not going to please everybody, but why don't you just try to please somebody? Yeah. And if you're going to try to please somebody, why don't you please the Lord? Amen. 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 Try to please Him with your walk. Amen. All right, notice your conversation. Your, number one, your conduct. If you're keeping notes, number one, your conduct matters. Number two, your conversations matter. You think you can get out of, get out of fellowship with God with your mouth? Think your mouth ever gets you in trouble? Does your mouth ever get you in trouble with your husband or your wife? Uh, uh, All the time. Okay. All right. And notice in verse 3 it says, It says, He that backbiteth not with his tongue. What do we mean by backbiting? What do you think that means? Talk to me. Okay, y'all agree with that? Talking behind someone's back in what kind of manner? derogatory. Derogatory or slanderous. But you don't have the character and you don't have the courage to tell them to their face. But you'll go around behind their back and you'll say, because you're not speaking the truth in your heart to them. But you are when they're not around. Yeah. You see? Your real feelings are coming out when they're, they're not around. And the Lord's not pleased with that. No, that's right. He's not pleased with that. God would rather you be t- completely honest with someone about something. Even if it creates a little bit of tension between you, at least you were honest about it. It would be better to be wounded by a friend than to be deceived by kisses. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay? and But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Yeah. Verse number 3 says, He that backbiteth not with his tongue. Okay? And it says, Nor doeth evil to his neighbor. And he's talking again about his mouth. Nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Now what does that mean? Not taking up a reproach against his neighbor. What do you think that means? Mm-hmm. Billy, you got an idea? Um, find a to okay. Now when you take it, yep, that's correct. And if somebody is talking evil about another person, are you going to get engaged in that? Are you going to take that up and just run with it? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to try to put a stop to it? Because where there is no kindling, usually the fire goes out, right? And so if somebody is reproaching, let's say that uh, you have confidence in, uh, let's say, Sister Debbie, and you know her, and and you appreciate her, and somebody comes up to you, and they begin to say something about her that you know is not true to slander her character, and you say, wait a minute, hold on, right there. This is going to stop right here. And, and, and I'll tell you how you can get that to stop is you just take that person by the arm and say, let's go see Sister Debbie about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because usually they'll say, oh, wait, 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 no, 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 no. I don't want to get involved. But they're already involved because they're running their mouth. Right. You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. when people, if you have ever felt the pain of somebody... Speaking evil of you, then you must understand that you're also causing pain to someone else when you are speaking falsely and evil yeah. about them. Yeah. Okay, so the Lord says, "I want a fellowship with you." He says, "But I'd rather you, I'd rather you talk to me about them than you talk to them about them." Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So if you gotta talk about somebody, I mean, it's just a, you're about to bust a gut. You just gotta talk about them. Go to your prayer closet. Talk to God about it. Right? I mean, talk to God about it. I mean, and, and listen, your conversation matters to God. No backbiting, no slandering, no lies, no insinuations, no part of gossip, no surmising. If you want a fellowship with the Lord, let's see. Brother Caleb, turn to Ephesians 4 and read verse 29 and 30. I think those are the verses. I want you to read those for us. Ephesians 4... If you're taking notes, write those down. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. This is where I think it's talking about the Holy Ghost, and I may have missed it by a verse or two, we'll find out, but Ephesians 4, I think it's 29 and 30. What does that say? What's verse 29 say? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of the edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And what is verse 30? Is that about the Holy Spirit? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now that those two verses right there let you know what grieves the Holy Spirit. You can't be in fellowship with God and abide with him if you are grieving the Spirit. Right. And he's what he's saying in the book of Psalms, even way back then, God God's character does not change, Brother Lauren, just because of the Old Testament, and New Testament. God's character doesn't change. And God is saying, I want to fellowship with you, but you've got to watch your mouth. If you want to fellowship with me, you've got to watch your mouth. You've got to watch what you say about people. He said, that matters to me. God is saying, that matters to me, of how you talk about each other. And so those passages right there say that it grieves the Spirit of God when there's evil communication coming out of your lips, your mouth, your part of it, Cause you either going to be uh, this young man's wearing a clothing from the uh, a suit from the fire department. Now, if I if I understand that correctly, your job is to put fires out, not them. Is that correct? That's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You will work on the equipment, yes. and the goal is to get the fire out, right? right? right. Yes. So, in other words, you make sure that there's water in the tank that has to go somewhere, not gasoline. Okay. So people like this right here he's talking about, they, they spew gasoline right. on a spark. And God wants you to spew water right. on a spark. Right. And when you spew water on a spark, God says, I'm pleased with that. You and I can fellowship. Yeah. Come on in here. You can, we can fellowship. Me and you can fellowship. That's what he's saying. And your communication matters. Your conversations <laughs> matter. All right. Now look at this. Look in verse number 4. Your conduct matters, your conversation matters, and your choices matter. In other words, your choice to identify yourself with God's people and God's crowd. Because some people like to be what I call secret disciples. They don't want to ever have to identify themselves as a believer around some of their worldly friends. Or take a stand on an issue. You understand? They want to kind of ride under the radar. Well, if I say something here, it's going to cause a rift. Well, look what the Bible says. Verse number 4 says, Now I know that you're probably going to throw up this verse, that, you know, to judge not lest you be judged. And you, you got to learn another verse in the Bible besides that one. Because you are going to have to exercise some judgment. You are. My goal, however, or what God doesn't want me to do is to judge your motive. But I can judge your fruit. Right. I can do that. And be, and be pleasing to God. But, but your motive, what's in your heart, I can't see what's in your heart. I can't see what's motivating you to do what you're doing. Right. But I can see what you're doing. Someone said to me one time... Well, just this past year, it as it was an adult, and said, hey, I'm an adult and I, I can make my own choices and, uh, you know, what makes me happy. And I said, you're exactly right. I said, but look at me. I'm an adult too. And I have the right to make choices. And I don't like it. <laughs> okay? So you can do what you want to do and say that's your choices. I got choices too. Right. And I can choose not to like your choices. Right? Right? Okay, because sometimes people say, well, I've got the right to make my choices, like as if that just nullified my ability to make any choices of my own. Okay, so the Bible says here that in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, that means held in contempt. It means they're doing something and acting in a certain way that you know is displeasing and dishonoring to God. And it's vexing your spirit. And you have no respect for that individual. He says, in whose eyes a vile person is contend. But, here's a contrast. He honoreth them that fear the Lord. Your choices. You are not afraid to identify yourself on biblical issues that are very important. You're not a politician. You know what a politician does, right? When the wind's blowing... They put their finger up to see which way it's blowing to determine what they're going to say about an issue. Correct? Okay. So you can't be that way. Okay. And and and, then, and listen, it's very important that you be more concerned about, this goes back do you really want to be in fellowship with God or do you want to be popular with people? Okay. And sometimes you won't be politically correct. And he says here, That he honors those that fear the Lord. So you've made a choice. This is my my people. This is my crowd. This is my friend. This is who I'm walking with. Those who fear God. Those who fear God. Are you afraid to identify yourself with those that fear the Lord? Now, it's easier for those of us with gray hair. It's not as easy for young people because of the peer pressure that's on them. At work in places like that, they hear a lot of things and they see a lot of things, and there's always ungodliness being pushed on them, and they sometimes have to just stand up and say, It's that's not the way I'm going. That's not what I am, and that's not what I believe. And they choose to fear the Lord. And the fear and the crowd that fears God. You gotta identify yourself with somebody. Amen. 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 You do. So But you'll notice these choices that he's making in verse number 4, if you want to fellowship with the Lord. Because did you know that there's a such thing as perfect hatred? David said, I hate them with a perfect hatred. What does that mean? Well, I think it meant that he opposed people who opposed God. He opposed people who opposed God. So it's going to be very difficult for me to have good fellowship with a reprobate Democrat who hates God and hates this country right. yeah. and who hates my family yes. and who hates this church. It'll be hard for us to have good, to be friends. Yeah. Okay? And so you'll notice, hey. you know, I, I pray for those in positions of power, but I have a very difficult time listening and looking at and listening to the voice of someone who is holds the highest position in the land. In our, in our country. Because I know it's just lies. Yeah. And it grieves me. Now, it don't just grieve me. It makes me angry. Yeah. It does. So let's let's move on from that. Okay, verse 4. As I want to stay in fellowship with the Lord. Verse 4. He honors them that fear the Lord. But notice something else here about this guy. The choices he's making here and how he deals with his life and with people. Explain this to me right here. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. What does that mean to you? Just integrity. integrity. Excellent. He swears to his own hurt and changes not. Somebody, tell me what. Give me an illustration of this. You underbid a job, you finish that job, and charge that man what you told him. You bid it for. Okay. You understand what he said? You gave somebody your word. Joshua, the, the, he gave word to the Gideonites. Yeah, he did, his Gideonites. And it wound up being to his hurt, didn't it? But he kept his word. He did. There are times when we give our word that we have 100% intentions of keeping it, and then there are times when it's absolutely impossible for us to be able to keep it. That we have no intentions of breaking it, but we can't keep it. Things happen. That's different. You go to the individual and say, "Hey, I can't, I can't fulfill my obligation to you. I, things have changed, and I can't fix it. Tell me what you want me to do." That's that's one thing. But it's another thing when you know maybe um, you bid on something. I know Lauren has to deal with bids all the time. He may bid on on, on something and give somebody a price. Let me just use it ten thousand dollars on a deck and he does all that and then he goes to buy his lumber and lumber in one day goes up 50 percent. <laughs> but he's already given a bid, okay And so sometimes uh, you know uh, things happen and what you do is you you keep your word even if it hurts. you keep your word. And that's what the Lord says. He said, I want you to be a... And I think sometimes the Lord lets us sometimes get in situations like that to see what we'll do. And then He'll reward you later for keeping your word. But you can't see around the curve. You can't see around the corner. You just have to know that you're doing what's right and God's watching. And your desire at that moment is to stay in fellowship with God even if it costs you at that moment. You understand what we're talking about here? Okay, uh, John Phillips wrote in his book, on the book of Psalms, he gave this true illustration. He he said it was true. I didn't do all the research, but I trust him. He said this, talking about your commitments of being a man of your word. Boy, isn't that a blessing to have somebody that's a man of their word. Wow, that's hard to find in business these days. It really is. I just want you to keep your word. He said, there's a man by the name of Jim Voss, V-A-U-S. He was a preacher at a Bible conference, and but he was saved from a life of crime. He had been a criminal, gotten saved, and God was now using him. In, and he was uh, invited to speak at a, a little church in Gardenia, California. A few weeks later, an invitation came from a very large church in Boston that same week. And so he was tempted to excuse his way out from the little church. He'd already given his word that he would be there those days for that meeting to this little church. This big church had called, you understand what I'm talking about, and said, we want you for that week, can you come? He was tempted to excuse his way out, but in his heart he said, that wouldn't be right And I want to stay in fellowship with God. And he said, no, I can't do it. I'm going to keep my word. So he went. He was there. He preached. And weeks after the meeting in California, he was interrogated later by the FBI, weeks later, because there was an armed robbery that took place in Boston where he would have been had he went to that meeting. There was an armed robbery. Remember, you had a life of crime, Okay. There was an armed robbery in Boston on January the 17th. You may have heard of it. It It's called the famous Brinks robbery at that time. And he says, and we believe that you're one of the few men who could have pulled this off. But the fact that he was at that little church in California and there were witnesses there and he stayed there and he preached there, it saved him from being arrested and accused of a crime that he did not commit. And so the Lord protected him because he was a man of His Word. You understand? But you don't always know that. You don't always know that. All right, let's move on quickly here, okay? We've got about ten more minutes. But let's look at this. Notice he says, now again, we're talking, what's the goal here? It is about staying in fellowship with God. And doing what's right. Now, it may hurt meaning you did what was right and it might hurt you, but God will make it up to you because He'll be pleased with you. Give you some peace and providentially work some other things out for you if you'll trust Him. Be a person of your word. All right? Verse 5. You'll notice that commerce matters. Okay? Here He talks about money. Verse 5 says, He that putteth not out his money to usury nor taketh reward against the innocent this has to do with his commerce his money what does it mean that he's not putting out his money to usury what does that mean a ridiculous amount of interest. that's exactly what that means right. sir don't be a predator, don't be a predator on people that are poor. You know these places that say, hey, no job, no credit. Come on in and we'll sell you a car. Yeah. Oh, buddy. That is a trap. And they will get you in there and sign you up and you will be paying excessive amounts of interest. And they're taking advantage of you while you're poor, while you're in a bind, while you're in a hard place. That's why some of these credit card companies camp out on these college campuses. They allow them certain days of the year to show up on the campuses and they try their best to sell their credit cards to these kids. Because yeah. these kids are watching some of their rich friends who are being who parole uh, no, p- payroll, not paroled. <laughs> <laughs> They're being payrolled by their rich parents, but these other kids that come from the country don't have that, and so they're partying. Okay, so you get a you get a credit card. And to impress your friends, you, before you're know $5,000 in debt, and you're paying 20 30% interest on a credit card, you're going to be paying that the rest of your life unless something happens. Right. You see what I'm saying? And so the Lord says, I'm not pleased with that. In the Old Testament, they would do that when they would find somebody maybe that had a bad crop, a bad year of crop. Well, somebody that had a good year crop, they would take advantage of that individual. And they would loan him some money, but boy, they would charge him excessive interest to where that, that guy never gets back up on his feet. He's always... What is, what is that verse about the borrower? The borrower is always what? Always a servant to the lender. They always, always are. And so God says, I don't want you treating each other like this. He says, do not put, he said, he that putteth not out his money to usury. So in other words, God's blessed you with some money. God's prospered you. And now you're taking that prosperity that God's given you and you're using it to take advantage of the poor. Maybe somebody made a dumb decision. But look look at verse 5. He says, nor taketh reward against the innocent. Now, I'm going to tell you something now. God gets upset with lies in court. I'm going to be honest with you. If ever any of us go to court, I lack confidence that justice is the interest of the court. It seems and appears as if whoever has the money to pay the lawyer to know how to get around some things is the way that it falls out, usually. We have judges in our land that are not interested in what is right sometimes in some of these situations. Now, that's not true about all of them. Thank God. Thank God. And maybe I've watched too much Law and Order. <laughs> they, ought to be, they ought to call that Law and Disorder. But, but here, here we're talking about God says, listen. He says, nor taketh reward against the innocent. I'm going to give an illustration of this in the Old Testament. Do you remember when Ahab wanted to buy Naboth's land? Now Naboth's land came from his forefathers. And a Jew was not supposed to sell out his, his inheritance. It was supposed to be passed on, stayed in the family. Don't sell the family farm. Pass it on down one generation to the next. Ahab saw the family farm and said, oh, It's next to mine. I like it. I want it. It looks better than anybody else in the, in the county. I want it. He went up to him and offered him a good price. He may have even doubled what it was worth. Right. And the guy said, Biblically, I can't do it. Now, I'd like to take your money, but Naboth said, I'm, I, I fear the Lord and I love my family. I can't do that. I want to stay in fellowship with God. He did what was right. So what what does Ahab do? He goes home. He goes to his bedroom, lays on the bed, and sucks his thumb. Now, that's in the Hebrew. If you haven't, you read through there and you'll see that it's in there. Because what he does is he goes in there and he's pouting. He turns his face to the wall. That just means he's laying in there pouting. He's discouraged. He's depressed. And his wife goes in and says, Oh, honey, what's the matter with you, sugar? What's the matter, baby? (laughs) I'll fix it. And he said, basically, he's sucking his thumb and says, Naboth won't sell me his property. Honey, I offered him twice what it was worth. The sorry dog wouldn't sell it. She said, I'll take care of that. So you know what she does? She goes and finds a couple of boys that are sons of Belial. And she says, boys, here's a little bit. When we go to court and we're going to take him to court and we're going to accuse him of all things now, Of all things, we're going to accuse him of blaspheming God. And I want you guys to stand up in court and say, you heard it. And then say, you heard him curse the king. And these boys got up in court. You know how it is. So help me God. I'll tell the truth. So help me God. These boys get up and they said, Hey, hey Naboth, did you say these things about God? And here's a man that feared God and did what was right. And he said, no, sir, I didn't do that. And those two boys said, oh, we heard you. And so the court found him guilty, took him out, and killed him. Well, that ain't the end of the story. Because God, God's aware of what's going on, and I don't know why God allowed that to happen, but he does allow sometimes bad things to happen to good people, and he won't tell you why sometimes. there was an old man of God named Elijah that was aware of what was going on. Ahab's out there looking over those that vineyard and he said, man, I'm, man this is sweet. This is nice, man. This is wonderful. He's just enjoying the, the whole... I don't know if you've ever seen a vineyard that's, that's trimmed and ripe. When we had a chance to go to France to visit some missionaries, there were vineyards everywhere. They were absolutely beautiful, beautiful. And I can only imagine that's probably what he was walking around in. And he hears some rustling in the background. And there's that old prophet. And you know what that old prophet told him? That old prof- prophet looked at him and said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, the same dogs that licked up the blood of Naboth going to lick your, your blood and your wife's blood. And buddy, sure enough, now it took a few years for this to happen because justice does not come swiftly from God. Most of the time, it does not come swiftly. Usually it's a few years later. But it comes, and it'll come. When it does come, it comes swiftly. Yeah. And Ahab got wounded in battle. He, hit him, he covered up himself in battle like he wasn't going to be the king, like he wasn't the king. Somebody drew back a bow and shot it didn't know it was a king but it found his armor by luck not quite it pierced him and it wounded him they pulled his chariot around there where he was bleeding out and them dogs were licking up his blood just like the man of God said well I like what happened to Jezebel buddy I mean she, she, she thought she was top dog now after he was dead you know she goes out there and there's a whole... Jehu is called by God to right. just clean out the whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Jehu driveth furiously, the Bible says, like some of y'all do. <laughs> I know one in particular. Driveth furiously. My wife's one of them. She was Jehob. we we'll put an A on the end of it. This was Jehu. She might be listening right now. They would. The girls wouldn't let her drive. That's another story. I hope she ain't it. <laughs> See, Cindy thinks that when that light goes down, those, those lights are changing at their red light. You know, red, orange, green. That's like at one of those drag races when those lights are going down. <laughs> <laughs> but on a serious note, serious note, when Jehu came into town, he wanted to know who was on the Lord's side. Right. You remember that? Yeah. And old Jezebel, she had been in there fishing up her hair and putting up all her makeup on and she sticks her head out the window and says, man, what's going on? What's going on? And Jehu tells those boys, throw her out the window. Hmm. Well, they didn't even hesitate. Obviously, she didn't have a fan club. <laughs> no. And buddy, they threw her out the window of of a castle. Broke her body all to pieces. She hit the ground. And you know who ate her up? You know who licked her blood? Those dogs. I believe the same hounds. He had these same dogs. I'm just saying that when you stay in fellowship with God, God always balances things out. He does. I want to stay in fellowship with Him. I fear Him. But you'll notice what it says right here. It says, He said, Nor taketh reward against the innocent. Now, He says in verse 5, What God will do for you, he says, the conclusion is he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Meaning that you will stay, you will abide in him, you will dwell with him, you will fellowship with him, you will stay in communion with him. You will not be moved by these things in your life. Which means you'll have your heart is fixed that produces stability in your life and reliability and usability in your life. And God will use you. Notice in uh, Psalm 18, and we'll close with this thought. You know, the question started out in that Psalm with, Lord, who? Who? What my question for you tonight is, is that who going to be you? Are you going to abide? Are you going to dwell with Him? Are you going to fellowship with Him? Now get up in the morning and give him some me time. Fellowship with him. Commune with him. Stay in contact with him throughout the day. He knows you're busy. But you can do, you can multitask. You can. You can stay in fellowship with the Lord. But look at Psalm 18. You'll notice in verse 1 and verse number 2, talking about staying in fellowship with God. Give God the first part of your day. Meditate on His Word. Talk to Him. And when you fall out of fellowship with Him, get back in fellowship with Him. Confess your sin and get right back in fellowship with Him. But I want you to notice what David says about Him here in verse 1. And this is what will be your motivation. I will love Thee. I will love Thee, O Lord, my strength. That I want you to notice what he calls God here. This is awesome. He said, the Lord is my rock. I'm talking about never being moved, okay? If you dwell with Him and fellowship with Him, the Lord will be your rock. He'll be your fortress. He'll be your deliverer. He'll be your God. He'll be your strength in whom I will trust. He'll be your buckler. He'll be the horn of your salvation. He'll be your high tower. Isn't that amazing? Now that's awesome. That sounds like a pretty good deal. I want to stay in fellowship with Him. I have to work at it. And you're going to have to work at it. Your conduct, outward conduct and your inward conduct matters to God. Number two, your conversation. And the conversations you have with other people matter. They matter. And if you say something you ought not say, call them back up and say, I am very sorry. I should not have said that. Please forgive me. Amen. Amen. Your choices matter. Your choices, who you identify with, okay? And your commitments, keep your word, okay? John 15 says, Jesus said, I am the... Anybody remember what it says in John 15? I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he says, if you'll abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and I will give it unto you. Stay in fellowship with Him. It gives you power in your prayer life. yes, Purpose and fruitfulness. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank You for these good saints of God that love You. Came out after a hard day's work. and came out here on a Wednesday night. Lord, hopefully they've been refreshed by Your Word. And Lord, I just pray that God, that we might desire as a church to be in good fellowship with You. In Jesus' name, Amen.